This episode of the Jack Vita Show is presented to you by CBS All Access. Ladies and gentlemen, baseball season has ended. It's a bummer. I'm disappointed that the season was so short and it's the winter time now again. So what am I going to start watching now during the middle of the week? Because we got our college football on Saturdays. We got NFL on Sundays. But I need something to watch in the middle of the week. That's why I'm using CBS All Access to stream the Champions League. I'm very excited. Once again, I haven't paid too much attention to soccer in recent years, but I'm coming back. I'm excited to watch the Champions League. I'll be podcasting on the Champions League. It'll be educational for me and for all of you listeners. Some of you are maybe on the fence about soccer as I have been in the past, but Jonathan Clancy played college soccer. He came on the podcast with me back in May to podcast about the last dance. He's going to help me pick a team. He's going to, it'll basically be a survey and he's going to, based on my personality, based on what he knows about me, he's going to help me find my bandwagon team to get behind my soccer team that I'm going to root for. Sign up for CBS All Access today and you will not miss out on any of the action. Again, we're going to need a sport to watch for the next month, so why not try some soccer? And I'm sure there are some soccer fans that already listen to this podcast. Go to jackvita.com slash CBS. Through that link, you can get a free week-long trial, and then it'll be $5.99 a month. It's a pretty good deal. There's a lot of great content on CBS All Access. I use it all the time to watch Survivor, Big Brother, The Real World, The Challenge, The Amazing Race, all of the great reality TV shows that I am addicted to. On top of that, they have an expanding Nickelodeon library and MTV, CBS Originals, CMT, Comedy Central, all the Viacom properties. There's a lot of great stuff on there, so go ahead and check it out jackvita.com slash cbs and every time that you sign up through that link this podcast is monetarily supported so we very much appreciate you and we appreciate our friends at cbs all access go jackvita.com slash cbs as i mentioned baseball's over so la dodgers fans if you want to pick up your championship gear and apparel los angeles dodgers are your 2020 world series champs Go to jackvita.com slash MLB shop. In the MLB shop, you can find all of the great MLB apparel and gear that the players wear. It's a pretty pretty great setup. If you want MLB apparel, jackvita.com slash MLB shop. And if you're looking for apparel, we again, we got a lot of other sports going on right now. College football, NFL, and college basketball looks like it'll be getting going in about a month or so. Go to jackvita.com slash fanatics. Fanatics has all the great fan gear and apparel. Again, same stuff the players wear. Go to jackvita.com slash fanatics. And now let's get to today's show. What's up, y'all, and welcome to the Jack Vita Show. I am your host, Jack Vita. Back in action today on a Wednesday. This is October 28th, 2020. 
just did a podcast episode a couple days ago. It was the first time I had ever hosted the show all by myself without a guest. So if you're interested in hearing how that went, and I'd love to hear your feedback on that, go back and listen to that episode. I give you a little weekend update of everything that happened in the world of sports, primarily baseball and Big Ten. We got a little bit into some other college football and NFL stuff. As I mentioned, baseball is now over. So we are going to recap the World Series today. And with baseball being over, that means we're going to be shifting gears over to football. Some of the other stuff going on, the UEFA Champions League just started. I I think it was sometime last week. We're doing a podcast on that. I've never covered soccer before, but Jonathan Clancy is going to be here with me. And he is going to help me pick a UEFA Champions League team to be a fan of, as I don't have any fan allegiance Really haven't been a soccer fan in a long time. So I'm excited for that. And I think if you are not a soccer fan, that'll be something worth checking out. Give it a listen. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast so you can get that episode. All of the future episodes, the moment that they come out, you want to be first in line for those episodes. You can follow me on Twitter at Jack Vita Show. Same thing with Instagram, facebook.com slash Jack Vita Show. But now it's time to talk some baseball. World Series is over. Los Angeles Dodgers are your World Series champions. And I have a fabulous guest joining me once again. I haven't spoken with him in a few months, but he was here back in August. So I guess maybe two months ago. And we were talking about early season baseball, but he is an expert in his own right. He's always on top of things when it comes to MLB. Let me welcome in Jake Poliga. Jake, how are you doing this afternoon? Good, Jack. Good. Thanks for having me on. Always a pleasure. Oh, always a pleasure. Oh, it's so fun. And I got to say, I've noticed it seems like you are definitely, out of all the people I know, one of the most plugged into Major League Baseball. Because in our group text, sometimes I get a little disappointed with some of the stuff I read. It seems like what really? That that's what Connor or Jordan think, but Jake Poliga <laughs> always coming in with the good stuff. Hey, I'd like to think so. I mean, I'm uh, watching enough baseball. I'd like <laughs> like for it to pay off <laughs> for sure. So, Jake, uh, we had a really this is a really good World Series. What are your initial thoughts on this series? Did you enjoy it? Uh, what's what's your main takeaway th- this afternoon? Yeah, I, I really enjoy it. I enjoyed it so much that uh, so I, I wake up at 6 o'clock in the morning for work, and uh, I just obviously can't stay up for the whole whole game. So yeah. I've just been catching the game in the morning and uh, just complete watching it through at work, actually. So uh, <laughs> so wait, yeah. so do you, you tape it, and then do you shut yourself off from what what happened, or do you, or do you know what the outcome is? Yes, sir. I uh, so if on the MLB app, you can just go and uh, go to the archives. That's yes. really easy to not not check the score or not see any of the stats or anything like that. So it's actually really nice. I just don't even uh, turn off notifications, everything like that. And then right in the morning, right when I get to work, I'll just uh, throw on the game and uh, just watch from there and get to skip the commercials and everything. You know, <laughs> it's kind of the best of both worlds. That's awesome. I think in general just shutting off notifications from time to time or spending less time on your phone is just better for our overall mental health. Uh, it's it's a good thing to shut off from that stuff and just consume whatever you want to consume 
whenever you want to consume it. Oh, I completely agree. I, uh, you know, as much of a Phillies fan as I am, I, I still don't <laughs> have those notifications on for, for a couple of reasons. So I can go watch the game, but if, uh, if the Phillies are losing and happened a lot this year, blowing leads left and right, <laughs> then, uh, it, it's, it's nice to take a, take a step back and not have to get a notification every time the bullpen blows another game. <laughs> Yes, well, I'm sure we'll make mention of the Phillies later on or throughout this show. But Jake, last night, the Los Angeles Dodgers won their first World Series since 1988. Did I get the year right? It's 88 or 89? Yes, 88. 89 was the year that the A's and the Giants had the earthquake. Ah, okay. Yeah, I, I didn't know that one, but, uh, <laughs> but 80, 88's the World Series. You're going to have to fill me in on that one time. <laughs> well, they had some of the classic games on during the quarantine period, the initial quarantine. Now we're moving back into quarantine here in Illinois. <laughs> uh, oh gosh, I don't even. I won't get into that. But they had that a um, little bit of that World Series was on, and so I was watching the Bash Brothers um, in in '88 too. The, those A's teams with Tony Larusa, really fun to watch. Oh, those A's teams were great. Very fun to watch. <laughs> So the Dodgers beat them in 88. It's a Kirk Gibson year. And now we've been hearing it on every broadcast that Joe Buck has done with the Dodgers for the last eight years. It's like, oh, they haven't won one since 1988. And uh, they actually <laughs> yep. they actually did it this time, Jake. I know. It's exciting. I'm, I'm happy for him. I'm happy for Clayton Kershaw most of all. I think I'm happy he got the monkey off his back to, you know, 2-0 with uh, – the what two era of two right there in the world series yeah, two three one i want to say yeah yeah something like that and uh i mean he pitched well against the braves too he but he just great offense he gave up runs and it was tough to see tough to see twitter lash out at him again after facing <laughs> such a tough offense still still sufficing still giving the giving the team a chance jake i'm so done with twitter these days i pretty much just use it to share my own thoughts i i contribute but i don't gain anything out of it anymore <laughs> unless it's one of my buddies tweet I'm, twitter accounts I, I wish i could say the same man i'm uh i'm heavily addicted <laughs> i uh i got i got the right feed on my twitter though it's pretty much all okay all phillies baseball beat writers uh some some bears some nfl stuff and you know just uh just the classics i try to keep all the negativity out good good yeah well last night on twitter this is what the twitter geniuses i i kept seeing this thing that it kept getting it seemed like everyone was copy and pasting it and tweet these trolls were tweeting it back at mlb twitter and some of the other people that were saying congrats to the dodgers on winning their title and it was like they had a cakewalk to the world series this is who they played they played the padres without mike clevenger and they beat the braves and they beat the Rays, who have the worst manager ever. And I'm just like, I don't have time for this kind of idiocy right now. I mean, really? Really? I mean, yeah. this was the toughest, one of the toughest championships I think a baseball team is ever going to have to win for so many reasons. And you and I can sink our teeth into that here. Oh, absolutely. I mean, well, for, for first things first you had to win an extra round. So, I mean, yes. new, new playoff system, they had to, and obviously it was against the Brewers, but I mean, the Brewers aren't, they're not a terrible team. They snuck in, but uh, the Brewers always great get the manager. Yeah. And then, and then you played the, 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 
uh, Padres, who are obviously a division rival, and that team's got a lot of juice. And anytime you're playing a division rival like that, that's that's an upset alert. And then they played the Braves, which I think the Braves. I mean, coming back from from three two, or three or two zero and three one. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I, I mean, I think that's as incredible as it gets. And then you can't tell me the Rays aren't aren't the best team in the AL. So I don't know who else you would have wanted to face. You know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. They played. We were very fortunate with this weird year that we had a shortened season. So first of all, it's very possible for you to just goof up 60 game season when each game is worth two and a half of what a normal season would be. So they had to, they had a shortened season. They didn't get to host any playoff games despite being the number one team in the national league aside from the wild card round. They had to play a two out of three wild card round. And then you mentioned those matchups. If I'm drafting the toughest, like if I'm doing a power ranking going in the postseason, I say highest upside to win the World Series and the toughest teams I don't want to face. Right off the Dodgers, I go Braves and Padres. I mean, who else do you want to see? Do you want to see the Cubs? Do you want to see the the Marlins? Like Exactly. <laughs> what, I mean, what do you want? <laughs> yeah, they they could have gotten Brewers, Marlins, and who else knows? I mean, it's it, they did Cubs not have or a cakewalk. Yeah, I, I I disagree with that statement. I think they definitely definitely got a rough rough go of it and, and they came through. I mean the teams like for a lot of people say this is the best Dodgers team of all time and I mean obviously I've only been around for 23 years to watch him for <laughs> 15 for to watch yeah. him. but uh but yeah I mean I think this is just an incredible team I'm, I'm happy to see that the best team in baseball won it just because like you said it was such a skewed season and and uh it would have been it would have been tough to we're definitely led to an asterisk if a team like the Astros or something like that won it you know yeah Exactly. We were so fortunate because we did get the best team in the American League there as well. I was very nervous when they said, we're giving you this eight, (laughs) we're expanded playoffs with 16 teams, whether you like it or not. And I'm like, oh boy, we're, we're really opening up the door here for something weird to happen. And thankfully, we still somehow got the two best teams in the World Series, at least the best in each league. Yeah, and going back to the asterisk thing, some people are going to try to put that on the Dodgers just because they don't like the Dodgers. And in fact, I'm not super opposed to people saying that about the NBA champions, the NHL champions, because in those sports, those leagues, they basically, they paused for four months and then they played their postseason entirely different from how they had planned to going into the season. The difference with baseball is they never started. So when they eventually started in July, everyone knew what this thing was going to be. So it's not like they were just making up the rules as it went along. They didn't really screw with anything, whereas I think you could make that case in some of the other leagues. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think to the point of the asterisk, asterisk, I mean, I think this year would have been the easiest chance to get upset. I think with yeah, with, I mean if they're playing at if they're playing only only got to go in that through the NLDS and NLCS and the World Series. I mean if they're they're gonna run through them if they're playing at Dodger Stadium and they had to, like you said they had to play it on neutral site and they had to play tough teams. So I think I think they deserve it and I think this is, the, I mean David Price opting out obviously oh, hurt yeah. him. You know 
Yeah, but I I think what they did with with their pitching depth, all those young guys, I think that was I think that's special. Oh, very special. It's similar to what the Braves were able to get out of their young guys too. Yeah, that as a Phillies fan, it's tough to see tough to see Ian Anderson, <laughs> who uh, the Phillies Phillies had the number one pick in that Ian Anderson draft, and they uh, took Mickey Moniak, who who made his big league debut this year, but he's apparently he's going to be anything more than a fourth outfielder. So uh, it's tough to it's see tough. Ian Anderson go out like that and just dominate in the playoffs. <laughs> Yeah, but this was absolutely much harder, I think, to win than a regular World Series. And by the time that the season was over, you saw the fatigue on some of those guys. Just the way, like, look at Freddie Freeman in the NLCS. Look at how some of those guys are getting checked out and they just their bodies look a little worn. You saw it with the relievers. And the reason why it felt like that, other than the fact, okay, yes, they did play a lot of games in a short amount of time, but... They played postseason games. One, it was a longer postseason. But two, they did not have any days off in the middle of a series until the World Series. So they weren't getting many opportunities to rest their guys or rest their relievers at all. Exactly. And I think that's, I think it's really special. I mean, that even makes it more special with the fact that the Dodgers don't really have a great bullpen. I think the, yeah. way, uh, I think the way Dave Roberts utilized Dustin May and and guys like that I think that was incredible I mean I I remember hearing uh before the World Series I remember hearing some speculation saying oh if uh if Dodgers don't win it Dave Roberts is he's got to be gone but I I think personally he just cemented his job for the next 10 years at least 10 years is a long time 10 years is a long time but that uh <laughs> I mean that that squad's not going away they've got a lot of right. really good young pitching a lot of yeah. uh, good young hitting. I mean, I don't know. I, I don't see that team ever making a, needing to make a managing change. So, and I like Dave Roberts. You know, I think he's a good guy. I, I think too. he's a class, class act, and I think he definitely deserves this one too. Getting a lot of heat for uh, for you know losing those back to back World Series, and it's it's got to be tough on him. Yeah, it's interesting that you bring that up about Dave Roberts because I spoke to that a little bit in my Monday episode where I was thinking about Dave Roberts and it's like, okay, is anything, has there ever been a series that's a manager or coach has had more on the line? Because even in a season such as this one, where it's a shortened season and it's going to be tougher for front offices to make decisions to evaluate personnel, even in that short season, it seemed like this was, if the Dodgers don't win it this year, it's it's do it's now or never. When's it actually going to happen? Because if you did lose this one, you'd say eight straight division titles. Now Mattingly was there for three of them, and he got axed. He didn't last very long. Now there was a change in front office at the time because Friedman came in after 2014. So Mattingly only had one year under Friedman, and Friedman wanted to bring in his guy, but. I think at some point you just look at the team and you say, how are they eventually going to get over the hump? Dave Roberts could be the sacrificial lamb, whether it's it's right or wrong. Maybe they just need a new guy to come in and help them get over that hump. And Dave Roberts would be out of a job for five minutes. He would be somewhere next year. But they end up winning. And as you mentioned, Dave Roberts is probably going to be with this organization for a 
a very good chunk of time moving forward. Oh yeah, no doubt. And I mean, that's the, that's the role of the manager right there. You live or buy, live, live and die by the W and, yeah. uh, no, and nothing else really matters. And I mean, you saw, you saw Kevin Cash last night make a crazy decision and ended up <laughs> yeah. losing the game. And I mean, if that, if that decision pans out, it's not like it's tough. It's tough to judge that too. It's tough to judge a manager like that. Cause it's all in the, it's all in the player. It's all in the personnel. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think, I think Dave Roberts did an exceptional job. I think he's always done a great job there. It's just, like you said, it's live or die, or live or die by the W, and managers got to be the sacrificial lamb for that if they, uh, if they didn't win it. Yeah, sometimes it's like you have such an extremely talented team. What are you going to – how are you making the team better? And sometimes you just need to change something, change a culture. Some new guy comes in, and that's what it takes. And that that's not even Dave Roberts' fault if that were to be the case. And that's something we see front offices make those decisions very frequently. Yeah, no doubt. And uh, to the point of the front office, to your point about Andrew Friedman, I think, um, I think what he's done is incredible. I mean, look, <laughs> at, the, look, look at the Dodgers and – you know, they've got all the they're a big market team. They they can go out and spend. They could have got gone out and signed Rice Harper. But uh but they I mean it's really all like homegrown talent with the exception of Mookie Betts. There's really not a not a big, you know, acquisition that they uh or big signing that they made and, and Mookie was a hell of a trade. I mean you, yeah. that, that 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 would be a trade for the ages right there. I don't know how Boston let him <laughs> let him walk and and plan to let him walk too. It's not like they ever really, you know, thought about keeping him there. It seemed like, it seemed like that was the plan all along, right? When Heim Bloom took over, like that was his number one, uh, first responsibility. And it just blows my mind because Mookie Betts, I think is best player in the NL least. Yeah. Friedman coming from Tampa, he's implemented that whole buy low sell high strategy. And now yep. he has money to retain players. And there are a lot of guys who they get into the big market with the big payroll and they might abandon that strategy or maybe they never embraced it to begin with. But you've seen it, as you mentioned, what Boston has done. They they overpaid for Nathan Eovaldi and Chris Sale a couple years ago. And they, they didn't have to really pay Chris Sale back then. They could have waited. Now Chris Sale can't stay on the field. And... They ended up spending their money poorly and ends up resulting in having to trade their best player that they've had since Big Poppy. Yeah. I mean, how can you how can you be a Red Sox fan right now and sit there watching the World Series, <laughs> watching Mookie Betts just you know, like I heard I heard today on uh, on the herd, I heard Colin Coward, who's not a big baseball guy, he said Mookie Betts is, is the definition of a baseball playmaker. And even though he only batted what like two two seventy two eighty in the World Series, it seems like he just made such an impact. You know, out in the field on the base paths, he's he's just an incredible player. And sitting there as a Red Sox fan, knowing that you've got a uh, Chris Sale making making similar annual value and Nathan Eovaldi yeah. making way too much that that strapped you and could have had Mookie for could have had the best player and maybe in all baseball for ten years and. God, that's got to be a tough one. <laughs> oh, very tough. Yeah, I think we'll look back on this as Mookie being the missing piece for the Dodgers to finally get over the hump. And the fact that this guy had won a World Series, maybe he was able to lead them in that with some uh, with some championship wisdom and 
veteran leadership and then obviously just the way the guy plays. But I mean, that it, it was like he was the missing piece that they never knew that they needed all along. He really was. I mean, he's think about who they had at lead off before that. I think they were leading off Jack Peterson against righties and Chris yeah. Taylor against Chris Taylor against lefties. And yep. I mean, both, both those guys are like solid players, but there's no, there's no one like Mookie Betts. And if you can and look at yesterday when, when he came up, they pulled Snell and Mookie, I guess Mookie gave a uh, Dave Roberts a little smirk and he said, uh, he, he was pretty happy with them pulling Snell and I feel like that's just the confidence that guy has. You know, he he knows that right yeah. when they pull Snell, he's coming in and he's getting a base knock, and, and then he's then he comes around to score. And that, that I think an underrated play that uh that he's not really getting too much credit for is that uh is that go ahead run that he scored in third. I mean that was a hard hit ball yeah. in the first base. Like I feel like 95 percent of the players in MLB don't score on that, get called out, and it's a one one ball game and. Mookie's just got such good instincts. He's got good speed. He's he's just an incredible player, and he I, I think he I think there's a case that he was the MVP of that series. But obviously, Seager Seager deserves it. He was pretty incredible himself. Jake, are you a baseball card guy? So uh, I used to be. I I got a lot from the uh, you know from the young days, but uh, <laughs> haven't haven't really gotten back into it. I mean. I have been. Uh, I did read an article though. I think about two weeks ago, talking about how baseball cards are coming back, like emerging yes. emerging market again. And I know you're a baseball card guy, so that's got to be pretty exciting for you. Yeah. So not overly so. My brother is a is a big sports memorabilia guy, mainly cards, but it's mm-hmm. more my brother. And last season, I started thinking, well, who are some guys that I can buy low and sell high on? Alex Friedman style with the baseball cards. <laughs> yeah. Corey Seager, I can't remember if it was last year that he had Tommy John, but you know, yeah. very promising young prospect, one of the top prospects in all baseball, comes up, wins a rookie of the year, has to he runs into some injury problems and doesn't entirely show up on the promise that he had shown early in his career. Now he's only, I think he's 26 now. Seager had an unbelievable year. He was a regular season MVP candidate, and now he's the World Series MVP. So he was one of the guys last year that I bought a rookie auto of from his rookie season, and that card was probably under $10. It was definitely under $10 last year. And I have to think that that card right now, I might be selling high on that card. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that's a, that's a great investment right there. I mean, you never know. He could win another with that, with how good that team is. And if he can uh, ride out this hot streak and next year, you know, I can see the Dodgers win it again. I, I don't know if there's going to be too much of a hangover just because this is such a, such a unique season and everything, but um, I can definitely see Corey Seager sustaining the success and just being a, perennial MVP candidate. So I think that's a great investment, Jack. Well, yes. So maybe I hang on to it. Depends on what that price is, really. But even if he does continue at this rate, is this going to be the height of his popularity and recognition? So let's say he's an all-star next year. I guess if he'd need to win a regular season MVP, I think, for his value to go up from where it is now, potentially. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. 
because a lot of people would say, oh, 26-year-old All-Star, World Series MVP, could be something even more than what it's worth now. So I, they think they're buying low, but really, I'm the one selling high. Who knows? Yeah, no, you're right. It's a tough decision <laughs> there. You know, it's like a it's like a GM decision. You know, get a guy, get a guy's hot streak, and maybe maybe move off him, see if it's real. But it's a tough decision. Jake, you brought up you think that the Dodgers could very well be back next year, and I think they can, but I really do think that I think they're a prime candidate for, again, we're looking at the roster as currently constructed. This is prior to what happens this winter. A lot's going to change before we are previewing the MLB in February or March. But I think, personally, I think that this team is a candidate for hangover type season. Now, hangover doesn't mean miss the playoffs. They could very well win the division again. But I just, it's got to be tough when you've been climbing this mountain for eight years. And in the case of Kershaw, 12 years, going all the way back to 2008, 13 years. That's a long time. To finally get there, it's got to be really easy to rest on your laurels at this point. Oh, I agree with you. I mean, Obviously, any team is uh, is going to be prone to that World Series hangover. You saw with the Nationals this year. You know, it's it's uh, it happens it happens in every sport. It's it's crazy. But uh, I don't know. I mean, I think this Dodgers team could be even better next year. I think that's crazy to say. Could be. But uh, with, <laughs> with, with Dustin May, Julio Urias, give them another year. Walker Buehler barely even played this year, and during the regular season when he did pitch, he wasn't very effective. So, I mean, if you can get a full season out of Walker Buehler next year, and in my opinion, I think Kershaw is taking another step in his career. I think he's having one of those, uh, like, late late or second primes, so to say. He uh, Like a he's, Zach Greinke. Yeah, exactly. I, like So, uh, he's actually a guy I doubled down on in both my fantasy leagues. I traded for him right at <laughs> the beginning of the season. I was reading into some, uh, some of his off-season um, awesome stuff, and he got big in a drive line. He started working with those guys out in Seattle, and uh, I think it definitely just unlocked a unlocked a whole new just a whole new level of Clayton Kershaw, in my opinion. So, I think if you if they run out there and with those with, with that one through four next year, I think this team could <laughs> yeah. could be even better, which is scary to say. And it, one through five, even Tony Gonsolin really showed that he's a legit number, at least number four starter in this league yeah already too and so one through five that's that's the best half in the league i couldn't even think of a close second i have to think going into it right now on october 28th 2020 my national league favorite is the atlanta braves because they were inches away from doing a thing this year ahead of schedule in a year where they're pitching they were not supposed to go that far now we've seen teams peak too early and regress, but I have every inclination to think that this Braves team is going to be right back there next year. And if they meet in a series with the Dodgers, look, the Braves are now the East Coast spawn of the Dodgers. I know you don't like to hear that, Jake, but... <laughs> I know, I know. I, yeah, I, I, saw, I saw your text in the group chat earlier, and I, I was at work. I wanted to respond, but, uh, but I'll, I'll, I'll respond now. Here's my opinion, and obviously... My Phillies bias is definitely going to play in here, but, uh, <laughs> and and I'm obviously looking at a ho- hoping for a pessimistic view on the on the Braves. And here's the way I look at it. I mean, 
you're getting uh max freed had a cy young like year i mean he, good chance he replicates the next year just breaks out into a stud but uh mike soroka he's he's not gonna be back and i think until like mid-season next year or something like that and yeah at know, best yeah you never know with with that achilles injury yeah and then, and then probably the worst injury in sports yeah, especially I mean, pitcher like planting off that and everything. It's it's got to be real tough. But uh, and then the way I look at it too, I think this is the I think this is the point here. You got essentially an MVP MVP production out of the bat of Marcelo Zuna, who's not going to be yep. here next year. So you got to you got to replace that. And then you got outlier years from four Travis like, Darno. Yeah, well, obviously, yeah. Travis, great point there, Jack. I didn't even think about Darno, but I was talking about the bullpen. I'm thinking, AJ, oh yeah, yeah. AJ Minter has never been this good. Who knows if he can keep it up? Guys, like I like Chris, Minter. I, I I like Minter too. One of my buddies, Nick Hedge. Shout out to Nick Hedge if he's listening. He's one of my buds from high school. Pitched at Penn State, and he was a starter at Penn State. And I remember in 2015. So this is my uh, junior year of college. He texts me and he says, or sorry, sophomore year of college because I did a gap year, whatever. Anyway, (laughs) Nick was a junior in college. But Nick's like, hey, I'm pitching on SEC Network on Friday. You should should tune in. I'm like, oh, heck yeah, of course I'm going to watch you then. And so they're playing A&M. And the starter on the other team was A.J. Minter. Ah, Yes. And I remember I was watching and they were really, it was funny, SEC they they were not impressed with anything from Penn State. They're all about SEC, nothing Big Ten. Nick pitched pretty well. They lost because he didn't get any run support. They couldn't hit Minter. I don't think Minter allowed to run. But I was watching this guy, Minter, and I'm like, man, that guy's going to be good. And they're talking he's on MLB draft boards. So he was a second-round pick, and he actually got injured that senior year. It was, it was his junior year of college, I want to say. And he got injured in the middle of the season, didn't finish the season. He was a starter in college, though, and he didn't end up. They've been using him in the bullpen. And so that was pretty funny that he started game five of the NLCS. It was his first start. Uh, I think his previous two starts were back in 2015 against Nebraska. And then the one before that was the one versus Penn State that my buddy was pitching on the other side of the rubber. Really, that's interesting. That's that's pretty cool, man. Yeah, AJ, I remember reading about that his first start since college, and I was like, wow, this is uh, hopefully going to be a Dodger shelling. But he, he, <laughs> he, he pitched well, man. He's he, he's actually a guy I shouldn't have I shouldn't have brought up. I don't think he really takes a takes a major step back. I think he could even you know unlock another level. I mean, he's got the potential yeah. there. But uh, I'm, I'm talking more so guys like Mark Melanson, Darren O'Day, Chris Martin, you yeah. know, guy, guy, veteran relievers who really had one of their best years. And I think that's a just a contagious thing in that bullpen. And so the way I look at it, I think I think the Braves, they obviously have as good of a chance as anyone to, you know, be an elite ball club. I think they're definitely still going to win the NL East next year. Unfortunately, but uh, I, I, <laughs> I think the Braves are going to have to find one of those one of those one year deals like Donaldson or like Ozuna, like they've done very yeah. successfully in the past. And I think if they if they make the right moves in the off season, I can definitely see it. But you know, as an optimistic Phillies fan, I'm hoping for uh, hoping for a couple of bullpen arms to regress and you know <laughs> lo- lose the production from Ozuna and 
and even Adam Duvall this year. Like, where did that come from? <laughs> well, these are a lot of guys, Jake, who have had success in the past, and it's like they're reverting back to their earlier forms. So yeah. Melanson, it's like it's like Mark Melanson, uh, circa 2015 in Pittsburgh, and now he's having this later career rejuvenation and Chris Martin. I mean, Chris Martin's always been really good guy uh, out of Texas, but yeah, you, you make a lot of good points on that. Yeah, no, I mean, it, that's just, that's the guy's plan. And, you know, this is it's a great, great ball club, but it's tough. It's tough to ask relievers, veteran relievers like that to replicate, you know, their best season, their, their best year of their career and age 33, 34, 35, and sure. uh, I mean, a lot, a lot of guys do. It's what the Braves have really done so well is just getting the best out of everyone. And meanwhile, Phillies are Phillies get a guy like David Robertson, who's had an amazing career, <laughs> you know, 14, 15 straight years of sub four ERA. And then Phillies sign him two years, bam, good money, and doesn't even pitch one game for him. And that's, <laughs> that, that's the difference between the Phillies and Braves. Phillies are getting the, getting the worst out of guys, and Braves are just untapping potential. Yeah, and you mentioned going back to what you said, and it's funny that we're talking about the Braves so much in this World <laughs> Series episode, but it's fitting, I guess, because we're talking about next year. You talk about who's going to be that next guy that the Braves unlock, and maybe he has a either a resurgence or just reaches a level he hasn't been before. I'm going to throw out a name that you threw out last year. I can absolutely see Chris Bryant sliding into that lineup and Chris Bryant looking like the 2016 Chris Bryant again. That would be scary. I could see it though. I actually, I think that's a, that's a good point. I mean, they're going to need some, they need some help at third. I don't know what the long-term plan with Wiley is, but uh, I don't know, man. I, I, I that, that scares me. That, that thought scares me. <laughs> <laughs> I think Chris Bryant, I, I still, am in on Chris Bryant. Now I do think the Cubs are going to, I, I don't know what they're going to do. And that's a n- conversation for another day. We're going to have to do something in a few weeks with a hot stove coming up so we can go into greater detail then. But I think that Chris Bryant, and I've said this before on this podcast, Chris Bryant is a guy, you look at his life. He's a guy that doesn't drink alcohol. He very rarely, you hear him swear He's been with the same woman since he was like 11 years old. He likes consistency. He likes routine. He's not really a guy who lives life on the edge. And the Cubs have been moving him into the outfield. They've been putting him into the leadoff spot. I'm waiting for someone. He's going to go somewhere. He's going to play third base or left field. One of those, just one position all the time. Bat three, four, five. One of those positions same spot in the batting order every single day and watch what happens i think he's going to stay healthy i think he's going to look like maybe maybe not 2016 chris bryant but maybe 2016 chris bryant light yeah i could definitely see i think there's still a lot of a lot of potential left there i mean maybe not even potential is the right word since he's already had a rookie of the year mvp season but uh, I think there's definitely still a lot left in the tank for him. I think I think you're right. It's a great point too. He's a man of consistency, and uh, the Cubs just haven't been giving him that. I mean, it's it's, it's tough, and, and it's a ball club that you know they reach their peak and it's a big market, tough fan base, and I think Chris, I think I think that kind of wears on Chris Bryant. You know, he hasn't yeah. been able to stay healthy too much. 
But I think I think that's gonna be a guy that wherever he goes, or not wherever he goes, but if he goes to the right situation, he's gonna be a perennial, you know, five fourth, fifth MVP candidate. I think just because yeah. just, just of the glove, I mean, great hitter, great eye. He's got he's got everything there, and I don't know. I'd like to see the Phillies go at him, but obviously that's not <laughs> Yeah, it's unbelievable that Chicago fans seem to have disposed of him so quickly. And I think he hears the noise. I think he's frustrated. I think he's unhappy right now. And if I were him, I mean, personally, while I've lived in Chicago my whole life, I mean, it's an expensive place to live. It's not warm all year. I can totally understand why someone would want to leave Chicago. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. And especially with all the, you know, all the noise around, like you said, he's hearing the noise and then this Cubs team just has so much, you know, drama, so to say, going on right now. And I don't think that really is, is who Chris Bryant is. I don't think he's a, yeah. he, you know, he's not a guy who's always, he's not like a Javi Baez who's flash and fame and everything like that. Chris Bryant, like you said, he's a, he's just a consistently, you know, he wants to, I feel like he wants to kind of stay below the radar I think if there's a team yeah. that can slot him into the five hole and let him play third, slot him into the five hole every day, let him play third base, hitting a hitting a good lineup and get a lot of run producing opportunities. I think it's gonna be a guy that that is back in the MVP discussion. You know? Yeah, totally. Well, Jake, we got to get back to some more World Series related stuff. Yeah, uh, we'll, yeah, I'm sure we'll bit. talk plenty of hot stove uh, in a few weeks or so. I'm gonna have to have you back on then. But uh, Jake. It. You brought up Clayton Kershaw earlier about the resurgence of his career. Not even a resurgence, but just the maintained success, maintained dominance and prowess. I've been defending Kershaw for a few years here, and for the last few weeks, I've continued to bring up, look, I think his postseason track record is overstated a little bit because you go back, it's like he he made his first postseason appearance at age 20, and he's been around for so long. He's still only 32. He's still in his prime. So it's time that we put that whole Kershaw in the postseason thing to bed. Like it was an overrated storyline for especially the last few years. I think earlier in his career, maybe you could have had more of a field day with that because he did have a couple of rough outings. Uh, one in 2014, I think another in 2013. But for the most part, you look at the last five years, six years, he's at a sub four ERA and he was really great in this postseason. It's been fun to see him kind of grow up and now win a title for the LA Dodgers. Yeah, no doubt. I'm, I was really, I mean, he was the, he's my favorite player in the Dodgers just in terms of, you know, he's a class act and he's a guy that gets a lot of, gets a lot of hate and everything like that for his postseason pitching. And, I completely agree with you. I think that's way overblown. I think it's uh, I think it's overblown from the fact that he's so, he's been so good in the radio season, and you know a lot of people a couple of years ago were saying, oh, he might end up being the best pitcher of all time. He's like at least the best pitcher of our era and everything like that. And then you know injury problems just ran into a couple of hiccups, and and I think I think that definitely uh, I definitely leveled on him and everything like that. But uh, I was just really happy to see him. And fun fact here, uh, his postseason career, he uh, started, his postseason debut was in 08, the year the Phillies won the World Series. And his <laughs> postseason debut was actually versus the Phillies in the NLCS. He came out of the bullpen. And, yeah, he came out of the yes. bullpen, 
then you face Jimmy Rollins, Shane McDorino, and Chase Utley, and uh, I think Ryan Howard too. And uh, you know, my my take here is that's the reason that he was never been in the playoffs. First, first, uh, first <laughs> taste of it, and he had to face that deadly Phillies lineup. So <laughs> never that's was a good the same point. Again. <laughs> in all seriousness, I mean, I think. I think it definitely is overblown. I think he's still a great pitcher, and he, I'm so glad to see that he got that monkey off his back and really shut up all the haters this year. Yeah, and it's funny if you think about going back to 2008, think about the core of that Dodgers team, that entire core that you were looking at 12 years ago. This is just how long that Kershaw and the Dodgers have been successful. Look at the think about the core at the time. It was like Chad Billingsley and Kershaw was the guy behind Billingsley. It's like where's Chad Billingsley now? I haven't heard that name in years. That Jack that Chad Billingsley you you hit on the head. I have not heard that name in years. <laughs> then <laughs> Matt Kemp, James Loney, uh Andre Ethier, all guys that they were again, this is a Tampa thing. They're willing to sell high on those guys and cut ties with them and not be married to them for too long. Then you had other eras where you had Yasiel Puig and you could just go down the list. D. Gordon. They've had so many guys over the years that you forget that they were even Dodgers in the first place. Yeah, I know. I mean, it's pretty incredible too. It seems like they're always, uh, they're, I mean, they're obviously they're always there, the Dodgers and everything, but it seems like they're always there with just like homegrown talent. And yeah. you, just, you never see the Dodgers going after a big guy like Harper or Machado or anyone like that. You know, it's pretty impressive to see what they do with all that homegrown talent, even as a big market team that could spend like the Yankees. Yeah. And when they do get those kind of guys, it's typically through trade, whether it be Darvish, Machado or Mookie. Yeah. Funny thing about Darvish. I read, uh, read an article right at the beginning of the World Series. It was uh, Chase Utley. So when he was on the Dodgers, and I think it was the 2018 World Series or 17, whenever the Astros won it, and uh, 17, he, seven, yeah, okay. So uh, so you Darvish got shelled in that in Game One, and Chase Utley said he he was he had a real like he was just watching. He said he's like, there's no way that that they're like you know hammering all those pitches. They're not even they're not even like check swinging at a lot of these sick break like, really good breaking balls in the dirt. And Chase, so Chase Utley said, uh, said that he his his role for that whole World Series was just watching film, trying to pick up on if he thought you Darvish was tipping pitches. Turns out that wasn't the case, though, and it was just the Astros <laughs> stealing signs. So Chase Chase Utley's got a good article about that. It's pretty interesting. Sweet, Everyone, yeah, yeah. Where's that at? Uh, I saw it on Twitter, but I'm sure if you just Google okay. Chase Chase Utley, you Darvish, I'm sure it'd pop up. Sweet. I'll have to check that out. Did you like the Mike Fire story that we exclusively got on this podcast two weeks that, ago? That was on. That blew my mind. I mean, like, wow, that uh, that's pretty crazy. You'd be sitting there, you know, on the table with with Mike Fires, and and then a couple couple of months after that, he breaks the story. That's that's magnificent. That's. <laughs> It'd be so funny just to think that Albert was the tipping point for him, that he's just like, man, this is just like eating at my conscience and this guy at the poker table. just Now <laughs> now I just feel horrible. I need to come forward and blow the whistle on this. Yeah, yeah. You think it was, uh, I think it was your buddy that got him to, 
You think, I think, you, think <laughs> you just tip, yeah, tip the tip the bridge. So. Maybe, maybe all time episode with Albert Destrade. If you haven't listened to that one, check it out. He competed on the 23rd season of Survivor, made it really far, played college baseball, has some really great baseball stories, and is a wealth of baseball knowledge. So highly recommend that episode if you guys haven't listened to that one. Oh, yeah, I'd absolutely recommend that, too. That was a really, really interesting uh, really interesting bit there. All right, Jake, I'm actually kind of glad we've gone 45 minutes without talking about the Kevin Cash thing from last night because was it the wrong decision to take out Blake Snell in that spot? Was it a decision that I disagreed with at the time and I still disagree with? Absolutely. Yes, it was. Now, I think this is one of the things that happens sometimes with analytics. You need to find some kind of a good balance between stuff that you get on a computer and the human element. These guys are not simulations that you can just plug in, especially in the postseason. It doesn't work that way all the time. And when you have, you can't ignore hot hands and cold hands. Nick Anderson, in his previous five outings, had allowed an earned run. He didn't look like the same guy that he was last year or in the regular season of this year, even early in the playoffs. It's just such a long postseason. Blake Snell at 73 pitches with two hits, no runs, and nine strikeouts. Better option in that spot than Nick Anderson was. However, I don't like how this is becoming... I don't want this to become the story of the Tampa Bay race, that they somehow lost the series just because Kevin Cash made a wrong decision in this spot and that this should define Kevin Cash, this should define the Tampa Bay race. And this is one of the problems I have with Twitter, Jake, is that uh, Twitter dumbs down the conversation. You have to be an absolutist on everything, that everything is either this is right or this is wrong or this is the best thing ever, this is the worst thing ever. The story from this season with the Tampa Bay Rays should be one of brilliance and excellence. And while, yes, there was a decision that was made in this spot, it also didn't entirely cost the Rays the World Series. Now, I do think that definitely felt like a big momentum swing. So, yes, it, it did allow the Dodgers to score, and it seemed to be crushing morale for the Rays. But at the same time, Rays only scored one run. And chances are Anderson's coming into that game after Snell does, and Anderson might give it up then too. So I don't want to kill Kevin Cash for this decision. I think you can, and I think that all criticism is fair, but I don't think we should allow the criticism to outweigh the other great stories that this Tampa Bay and Kevin Cash made this season. No, oh, I couldn't agree more. You hit it right on the head. I mean, it it's it sucks cuz Kevin Cash managed a team that payrolls 30 million dollars or something like that and he took him and just a, kind of no stars. There was really no stars on that team and he did a hell of a job managing. He was probably the he's probably the manager of the year in the AL and one wrong decision just completely rewrites the narrative for him. And I think that's just tough to see. And I mean, and back to the, the move, the move to Palm, I, I didn't agree with it at all. I mean, and, uh, as I was watching the game, I was sitting there, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is just going to give the Dodgers hope, momentum, you know, everything like that. Yeah. And, and if if you're going to pull them third time to like 
so the third time to the order, you know, is the statistics or the analytics, like say, say Pullum, something like that. But the analytics also say Mookie Betts hasn't gone deep, gone deep off a lefty all year. You got Corey Seager with the yeah. lefty lefty matchup on deck. And why Nick Anderson? I mean, like, yeah. like, you, like you said, he struggled with five straight appearances with a, with a run given up. And that, that didn't make sense. You've got a, such a good bullpen and coming off a day of rest, like, I would imagine everyone is rested, and so that didn't make sense to me. And and then another thing is too, is you've got if you win this game, you go tomorrow for a game seven, and you got to have basically send a bullpen game out there, and yeah, you, yeah, you've got to have everyone on deck, all hands on deck. So their best chance of winning that game was keeping Snell in, and and I'm not sure why it happened, but like you said, it's just, it sucks that that kind of rewrote the narrative for Kevin Cash, for the Rays, everything like that. And I mean, such an incredible season for the Rays. And it's, it's just, it's tough to see it go down like that. And the, the storyline should be emergence of Randy Rosarena. I mean, he was just as good in the oh, World yeah. Series as he was in the rest of the playoffs. And there should be a lot of other storylines there too, but it's just going to all come down to that one decision, which in high, I mean, in hindsight, hindsight, 2020, like obviously they lost the game. That wasn't that wasn't why they lost the series. There's a good chance that Dodgers end up coming back and win that game. And then if they do go to seven, you've got a red hot Walker Buehler who's dominant in his play in his postseason yeah. career. And then you've got Kershaw coming out of the bullpen. And so I don't think they would have stood a chance in that game in that game seven. And so unless they had the bullpen fully rested, which is enough. Just another another story. I don't don't understand the decision, but I don't want to dwell on it too much, like like everyone else was. You know, I don't know if you saw a Rod or you saw all the Twitter hate, but even a Rod a Rod tweeted something like the computers, blah, blah blah, and that's the computers is the reason they got there. I mean, analytics. A Rod, you are a computer. Yeah, exactly. A Rod <laughs> is literally a walking computer. <laughs> but. uh I mean, the, the analytics is the reason they got there, but I think Kevin Cash, he's going to learn from his mistakes, and he's going to realize his next opportunity, he's going to realize that the World Series is a complete animal. I mean, even if that was the, the ALCS, maybe you do pull him because, you know, you gotta you want him going and, and for the World Series, you want him rested and everything like that, and it's just a complete different monster in the World Series. And, and I think you got to think of it from the Dodgers' perspective, who would you rather face if you're Nicky Betts, Corey Seager, and Justin Turner? You'd definitely rather face uh, Nick Anderson than Blake Snell, who you haven't gotten a, right. or you I think he struck out Betts twice that game, and I think he struck out uh, Seager like, twice that game, too. So the, it, it's tough to see, and it's even tougher that that's just completely you know, with the narrative. Yeah. Again, this is why we provide smarter insightful nuanced conversations on this podcast that you might not get anywhere else because in a world of clickbait and social media hate we are here to just give you the good stuff and not not attack anybody unless maybe it's a rod (laughs) yeah couldn't agree more there jack yeah i mean we're gonna call it fair and we're gonna be unbiased and try to look at things as fairly as we can and that's the way I looked at that thing. I mean, Tampa was a great story this year, and you know we touched on it all. I mean, this. I think another thing is sometimes, and I, I this is sometimes it feels like God watches these games, and He just says, "You know what? L.A. suffered enough because 
Uh, they're gonna they're gonna be blessed here. They're gonna get an opportunity to hit off Snell because the Dodgers have had so many breaks over the years that have braked in the opposite fashion. They they haven't worked in their favor. This time, I mean, I'm watching Game Four that crazy Brett Phillips play. It seemed like it's Angels in the outfield where. You know, <laughs> they're moving like angels are around and they're pushing the ball off uh, Chris Taylor's glove and they're moving Will Smith out of the way to catch the ball and all that stuff. It was such a weird play. You watch that. You're like, are they actually are they ever going to win one of these things? And I think maybe God just said, you know what? The Dodgers have suffered enough. Uh, <laughs> it's their time yeah. now. Seems like it, Jack. I mean, after after that Brett Phillips play, I thought the Rays were going to win this. I thought I was like, oh, it's got to be demoralizing for the Dodgers, and I was just like, nope, this is a uh, this is one of those classic, you know, Dodgers blow a blow two one series lead, and yeah, yeah, and I just I thought it was going to go that way for the Rays, but congrats to the Dodgers. I mean, they definitely deserved it this year too. They did. So the Dodgers owner, Mark Walter, comes out, and I don't know if you saw this part. Did you see him pull out a sheet of paper and read a speech? No, I didn't. Okay, so you didn't watch the celebration afterwards. I, I, so I watched just a couple minutes of it, and then I had to go to bed, wake up for, wake up for work. That was, one of the, that was one of the few times I stayed up for a whole game and didn't watch it in the morning <laughs> just because I knew there was no chance I'm, uh, I'm going to be able to hold off. So... He pulls out a sheet of paper and starts reading a speech. I've never seen an athlete or a coach, an owner, anyone do that right after they win a championship. And so I just started picturing him writing this speech back in like 2016. And he's just hung on to it for several years and finally <laughs> was able to pull it out. Yeah, seriously. he's He's been long overdue on that, I'm sure. <laughs> it's just funny to think about even in an award show, maybe you have an idea, maybe in an award show, you know, you're going to win ahead of time. Who knows how those things go, but it's just so weird. I would never, ever, if I'm playing in the world series, if I'm managing a team, owning a team, I just would never start writing my, this is what I'm going to say when the, when the world series, if we win the world series, now maybe I have thought about it or maybe I run it over a little bit in the shower or something but never actually type out my full speech that I'm going to read to everybody just because it seems like whenever you do that you're just setting yourself up for failure it doesn't seem like a good thing to do to your psyche yeah that does seem like really bad mojo I mean and it <laughs> feel like puts a lot of internal pressure on you but uh, I, and I and I think what the fans want there too. I don't think they want some guy reading off a script. I think they want you know yeah. the, the pure emotion. The yeah and, yeah, just the heat of the moment. Like what what's on your mind and everything. I would. I don't know. I I didn't didn't get to see that, but I'm glad you pointed that out. <laughs> I actually I took a screenshot of it and I put it out on Twitter and I captioned it. How about that right in? I guess that's why they call it Sin City. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> oh, that's a good one. And then I continued with that speech from The Hangover. <laughs> uh. Jake, the Rays made it. They did so well. They're the best team in the American League this year, and they've got 
either the number one or number two overall prospect in baseball, Wander Franco, set to be a contributor next year, potentially. What's your what's your outlook and how where do the Rays go from here? Because, and I guess with that, who coming out of it right now on October 28th, before free agency and everything, who's your favorite to come out of the American League next year? Hmm, well, to the point of the Rays, if, uh, if Blake Snell doesn't request a trade or actually try and kill Kevin Cash, then uh, I, that, <laughs> I think they're going to have a really good, really good rotation next year. I think that one-two punch is just nasty, and they're both you know, on the on the rise, on the ascend. And um, I think they're definitely going to be right back in the heat of it. I mean, especially if Randy Rosarena is as legit as he was in his playoffs. But other than that, I mean, obviously the Yankees are going to be there. I hate to say that they're going to be there every year, <laughs> but they need a they need a legit number two starter before they can actually, in my eyes, be a true World Series favorite. And yes. uh, yeah, and then other than that, I mean, I think I think the White Sox are just, yeah. I think they're one Trevor Bauer like signing away from uh, from you know being right in the thick of it. I think if Dallas Keuchel can have a great year again. If if uh, if they can go out and get a guy like maybe even maybe even get Trevor Bauer and that's probably my pick for where Trevor Bauer goes. I could definitely see him going to the White Sox. I think that's the biggest need. So I think if they make the right moves in the offseason, could definitely see them being right back in it. And then I mean obviously, I think the Indians are going to be a, in a special team if they hang on to Lindor for this last year. That rotation is as good as it gets to, and they're all young and ascending and. I think I think the AL is gonna gonna have a couple couple legit contenders next year. Yeah, it's interesting because it's really hard to go this deep in the season and then do it again the next year. It's really hard to keep keep churning out those seasons. The Rays have a limited window because they're going to have to trade guys eventually, or they lose them through free agency. But I think I, I'm just kind of looking at the American League landscape. I think moving into 2021 right now, the Tampa Bay Rays are still the best team in the American League. Whereas with the National League, I look at the Dodgers and I'm like, well, this Braves team is really knocking on their door. Like they're right there. Yeah. And we we talk about those American League teams, obviously contenders, and there are a bunch of them. We we didn't even bring up bring up Oakland, another one, or you know maybe Minnesota. There there are a few of those teams out there, but there really isn't anyone that I'm looking at. All of them you could poke holes in and look at, uh, find a flaw in. Whereas, yeah, going into this year, I just don't see like the obvious rival to the Rays, I mean, other than the Yankees, I guess, just because of the divisional and the bad blood there. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I think, I do think the one team that uh, that we are kind of sleeping on is the Astros. I think the Astros are going to be back yeah. next year, and I think they're going to be really good. I mean, they're going to have a lot of distractions off their plate. And then obviously you know, probably lose George Springer, but it's going to be a, a lot of more young guys coming back. I mean, I think all two able definitely have a better here than last year. And if they can stay healthy and then that, that rotation is going to be nice. You know, you got Berlander coming back and Christian Javier is a young stud who's got ace potential. I think he's going to be really good. Fran Bervald has a legit number, number three starter next year, potentially. And so I think that I think we're going to have a really good one through four, one through five. And I think the Astros could definitely, you know, surprise some people next year. 
Yeah. So we're with the American League, it kind of seems like we're looking at the talent being distributed across six or seven teams, whereas with the National League, it might be a little more top heavy. Yeah, no, I I completely agree. I think uh, I think in the National League, though, I think a team that that we're gonna have to really San Diego about. or sorry, yeah, yeah exactly. San Diego. No, yeah, no, you read my mind. Uh, I think I think if they can get a just you know another level from Lamette, obviously Clevenger is a stud. He's just entering his prime. Um, if Chris Paddock can bounce back from a tough sophomore year. And, uh, I mean, Zach Davies had a great year, too. So, I think that one through four is really, really good. Bullpen, bullpen they got really lucky this year. A couple of guys had out, a couple, like, good relievers had outlier, outlier bad years. Um, Kirby Yates went down. But, um, but I think they're going to be a really scary team, too. They're young, and they're, they're legit. I can see, I can see, to your point, I, I can see the Dodgers, you know, taking a step back, having that, having that World Series hangover, and, and the uh, the Padres coming in and winning their first title in however many years, win their first division title. Division title, yeah. And that's the thing, Jake. I'm looking at these two teams, and I think there's a more clear path for the Rays to get right back there than there is the Dodgers because the two teams that we're concerned about, one I would put on an equal playing field with the Dodgers. They almost beat them this time. They had a lead in a game seven. They were up 3-1. And then the other one, is in their own division. Whereas with the Rays, it's like they they were on pace to win 108 this year. And maybe there's a little regression there, but I need to see more. And again, this is all going to shift. I think it's fun to talk about this before the winter and everything we see this offseason because this will yeah. be interesting to document in several months from now and see how that those opinions change. But with the Rays, it, the Rays could potentially... There's a blueprint for them to be the 2014 moving into 2015 Kansas City Royals to go the distance. Now, they didn't go the distance. They went to six, the Dodgers, an NL West team. Then the next year, come back and build off that experience and maybe make a few trades around the deadline to add like a Johnny Cueto or Ben Zobrist or a couple of really good key pieces that could get them over the hump next year. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I think, I mean, the Rays have been a team I've kind of doubted for the last two, three years, but they just always, always keep exiting expectations with no, no stars really, and yeah, just a, just a bunch of solid players, and it's pretty crazy. I mean, and and I think if Randy Rosarena, I think it's going to be a, a key piece to their success. I mean, they need that middle of the order bat that's got pop and you know plays with some fire and everything like that and and i don't know i i think you're right i think the rays could definitely be right back in and i think they will be right in the thick of it the last thing i want to talk about with you jake is how this whole season played out now we saw manfred last night and oh did you see manfred with the microphone last night did you hear about it uh uh-uh, no did you go to bed i was in bed oh Jake, oh my goodness, Manfred was slurring his words like crazy. Okay, that's. I woke up with a couple different texts and, and group messages asking, uh, <laughs> asking, "Is Rob Manfred drunk?" And I thought, I thought, I thought that was just because of the Justin Turner thing. I thought maybe that's why they're <laughs> they're saying that. But I didn't realize he was slurring his words. 
Yeah, he was slurring his words. He didn't sound like himself. Like he was stuttering and he was really slurring his words. It was it was unbelievable. I couldn't believe it. I'd never, you know, he's typically pretty calculated and composed, but yeah. it was it was unbelievable. Wow. Yeah, I, I wish I saw that. I might have to go watch that after this. I guess we know how he's been uh, passing the time during quarantine. <laughs> yeah, that's right. But yeah, he... Uh, <laughs> But yeah, did you see his uh, his comments today? I mean, I think it was only a couple hours ago that he released the Justin what, Turner what say? stuff. Yeah, t- tell me what he say. So uh, he said he said that Justin Turner um, forgot the exact quote, but basically Justin Turner like completely violated the rules, and he uh, Justin Turner basically said to paraphrase that he basically said, "No, I'm going out there and celebrating." So man, <laughs> so Manfred was not his his page uh released today or whatever it was he uh he was not happy at all and he said they're gonna <laughs> they're gonna be investigating into into justin turner and i don't know what you're investigating like we saw everything <laughs> go on there <laughs> oh my gosh I, I i don't want to get into discussing covid because everyone has all kinds of opinions and everyone has fair opinions on it But I will say in his defense, how many times are you going to get a chance to go out onto that field, celebrate a World Series championship, something that you've been working towards for several years? I think he came over in uh, 2014, 2015, around then. So he's been with this team for six or seven years. Finally winning that thing. I mean, come on. All I'm saying is that if you had that opportunity and you're asymptomatic, so you're not really spreading any symptoms and seem seems that none of his teammates had any issue with it. I mean, you can't, you can't get too mad at the guy. Yeah. I'm whispering no. over here no. before someone cancels me. <laughs> <laughs> no, Jack, I'll, I'll tell you this. I would have done the exact same thing if I were in. Yeah. <laughs> how many, like, I mean, how, how disappointing, how disappointed do you think he would have been if he if he didn't? I mean, he he couldn't have celebrated his teammates, something like that, and then that kind of just takes the like leaves a huge void for for your World Series. You know, it's not the same if if you're not out there celebrating everything like that. So I would have done the exact same thing. And <laughs> but but I think the interesting thing here would have been if if they found out if they got that positive result back before the game, what happens uh, like. Obviously, they probably have to delay the game, test everyone else in the Dodgers. So does that mean they uh, postpone it a week, or what happens there? You know, maybe what if you what if the Rays win that game, and Snell dominates, he goes eight innings or whatever. They win one nothing, and they got to postpone Game Seven for about a week. You know, does Snell go in Game Game Six and Seven? That would have been a pretty incredible story. Yeah, would it have been like some big time cover up where they're like Justin Turner? can't play because he stubbed his toe and we're just going to turn a blind eye and let this thing keep going <laughs> just I for one so. more day. I think, I, I think as if I was the commission, then will be, I would have, I would have had to turn a blind eye, you know, if that would have came out before the game. Cause it would have been, yeah. it isn't too tough. This is the last game of the season too. These guys can go home and quarantine all they want after this. You just got to get that game in and, and hope for the best. I mean, we have a lo- all kinds of data and numbers that these young people are not the ones at risk. So as long as they're 
sticking around each other and they're not around older folks, then it shouldn't be a big problem because they're all going to they're all going to come out of this thing. All right. So, yeah, Yeah. that's pretty much what you got to do, because otherwise you're going to get your World Series just canceled. (laughs) <laughs> the yeah. cancel culture is just like nope you, you, you can't do this i don't care <laughs> if it's one game you're gonna kill somebody <laughs> i think i actually think it would have been uh been pretty funny to see justin turner come out there in like a hazmat suit and watch him celebrate <laughs> in the hazmat suit because then what can manfred do you know this guy's not giving he's not he's basically quarantining <laughs> he's just in some little bubble yeah give, give him <laughs> like one game. of those hamster balls yeah, let him roll around in the field. That would have been good. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I'm, I apologize for that. Uh, the little cancel culture tangent. I'm just, I'm just worked up that uh, Illinois high school winter sports are canceled. So, uh, got a little emotion in it right now. Yeah, that's tough. That's I hate to see that for all those kids who. I mean, I was one of the, and for my high school career, I wouldn't have played any college football if it weren't for. It weren't for my senior year. I mean, I couldn't imagine not having my senior year because I was a guy that unfortunately couldn't play till his, his senior year because uh, quarterback in front of me was Mr. Football Indiana. So if it, oh man, if, yeah, if, you, if I was in high school last year, devastated, you know, just miss out on put all putting all that hard work in the off season and all all those years coming up to it, and then get no opportunity. I just I feel for those kids. Yeah, it's awful, and there are some kids who are able to parlay that scholarship into an education that they would not have otherwise received. So it's really exactly really horrible that so many of them are going to be deprived of that opportunity. And that that's really all I have to say about it. Uh, <laughs> I don't want to I don't want to ruffle too many feathers here. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you on that, but. But, uh, yeah, it's, just, it's tough to see. Yeah. Like you said. So the last thing is how do you think this whole thing went? Were you happy with 16 teams in the playoffs? Is this something that you want to see going forward? Um, so I'll give you my uh, – out of the three major rule changes, the extra inning, the DH, and the playoff, the extra playoff teams, I think um, I think extra playoff teams should go. I don't I, I don't want to see that. I don't want to see more than half the teams in the playoffs. And and uh, I mean I think it's I think baseball is that that one sport where it's you know only five four or five teams depending on how you want to look at it get to make the playoffs. So it makes it even that much more special. And I love that aspect of baseball. So I would I'd like to see it go back to normal. Maybe six at the most, but, um, and then the DH, I do want to see the DH stay. I, I really would like to see that. I am a, I'm a baseball purist, but I do not like watching hitters pit or pitchers <laughs> hit. There's only a handful of pitchers that can consistently make contact. So it's tough to see that. And it's tough to watch, you know, seven, eight, nine. It's that, that's your time. That's when you go to the bathroom, you know, you got a <laughs> seven, eight, nine coming up, you know, you know nothing's going to happen. But, uh, and then, I don't know about that. Yeah. Sometimes you get a guy like Bartolo or Felix Hernandez yeah. hitting a homer, and it circulates on Twitter every year on that day. No, that is true. That is true. But that's what, one in a hundred or something like that. Sure. Which uh, I, I'm going to miss. Makes that. some more special though. I know. I, I mean, I'm not. I wouldn't be disappointed if they reverted back to the no DH and that But I, because I mean, I, I like the I like the whole situational. I like the strategy involved. Yeah. 
Uh, I, I like to see pitchers bunt. I like to I like to see more bunting in baseball, small ball stuff like that. But for the most part, I like to see more runs, more action, and uh, definitely helps the Phillies too. So I can't complain there. <laughs> but uh, and, then, and then for the extra inning rule, I'm all on board with that one because I can't tell you how many times that uh, how many times I've watched just 16, 17 inning games, and then the Phillies lose in 17, and I'm sitting there like, gosh, why did I just waste? five hours, five, six hours of my life. And then some of these games, some of these extra running games are just a joke. I remember two years ago, the Phillies were playing the Dodgers and it went to like 17. And uh, I think Kike Hernandez came in to pitch. I'm pretty sure it was Kike Hernandez. And Trevor Plouffe for the Phillies called up like two days before that was playing. And uh, Trevor Plouffe goes deep off Kike Hernandez to end it. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, how do you even, how do you get a W out of that, you know? <laughs> but so I like I, I like the rule. I think it adds a lot of intrigue to, to the ninth inning, even and and like you know after the ninth inning, you're just you're hoping that you go to extras. But I think it's really entertaining to watch that man starting on second. I'll respond. I'll give you my quick rundown, and then we'll wrap this up. Yeah, let's hear it. Okay, so extra innings. I think they're onto something there. That's the only one of those three that I would like to see a future with, similar to what you were saying, because. I think that I just think it needs tweaking. I think you do it. You start it in the eleventh inning. You start it in the twelfth inning, and maybe you start with the runner on first, and then small balls encouraged. Then you got a guy who's going to steal second base. You got some bunting going on, and that's what I would like to see. I think with extra innings, just they need to they need to modify it and uh, perfect it a little better. Uh, I, I agree. Actually, I think that's a really good point. I think maybe. Maybe with a couple of tweaks, I think the man first is actually really interesting, and I think it'd be really cool to allow the managers to choose who they get to put on first base rather yeah. than being the last the last out, because that would add a whole that that just had a whole element for you know like guys like Rome teams like the Phillies who have one just speed weapon on the bench and well, it'd employ more speed guys. Like every team yeah. would have to have their own. Yeah, exactly. Billy Hamilton's value just yeah. take, a, take a ride, take a jump up, just for the fact that he could <laughs> he could uh, win you a game in extras. But but I like that. I I do like that. Maybe start on first in the tenth inning, in the or in the eleventh inning or twelfth inning. Maybe give it one real, like one legit extra inning, and then go to it. I yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah. Start it in the eleventh or the twelfth, and then maybe then each if it goes on for a while. Then, like, you have the element of now we're moving to having a guy in second, or now we're going to have first and second. So, like, each inning, they kind of up the ante as the game goes later into it. And I think people would be more accepting to it, the people who don't like the change. And then I think the people who are into something new, they would be intrigued to stick around. Oh, my gosh, if we get to this 15th inning, the bases are loaded. How exciting is that going to be? You're right. You're right. That would keep more people watching because you're kind of looking. You're kind of want like looking like the people who really like that action. They're kind of hoping for a scoreless inning and get get to the fifteenth or whatever. I think that'd be pretty cool. Yeah. Okay. Then designated hitter. I think the nas- the designated hitter in the National League. There's no place for it. I'm not tolerant to that idea at all, Jake. I, I don't like it. National League baseball. Uh, is so much rich history. It's been around for 150 years. Let's not mess with it. <laughs> Agree to disagree on that one. But like <laughs> I said, I'm 
I'm not going to be, I'm not going to be disappointed. <laughs> I'm a baseball Pierce as well. So I will not be disappointed if they revert back on that one. And I guess I would definitely say a little bit of my bias is playing in there. Cause you got Harper for another 11 years and, <laughs> and Lord only knows what his glove's going to be like in right field when he's, when he's 39 years old. <laughs> so, and, and then you got Reese Hoskins and Alec Bohm who are pretty poor fielders. So it really helps the Phillies out. And uh, I think that's just that's a <laughs> big part of it for me. But I also do like seeing more, see more runs scored. And, and I hate the, I hate the feeling of, you know, six, seven or seven, eight, nine. And, you know, not, not much is going to really come of it. And then finally, Jake, in terms of playoffs, let's expand major league baseball to 32 teams and then adopt the NFL's previous playoff format where you get six in each league. I think that thing is just too perfect to, uh, to not do. I think that's don't expand the playoffs. Now wait, five ten years for you get to get those two more franchises in there which will also increase the popularity of the sport i think 32 is a perfect round number for a number of teams you could have 16 in each league you can limit the amount of interleague games and then you can realign the divisions to continue classic rivalries but then maybe you have four divisions and you just do what the nfl had done for the last 20 years before they decided to start messing with stuff this year I am all for that one. That's a, that's a great idea there. I'm all for expanding. I've said that for a couple of years now. And, uh, and before we go, I actually would love to hear that, hear where where you would expand. What would be the two franchises that you add in? <laughs> great question, Jake. Uh, I actually think Buffalo would be a pretty cool location. They seem to get behind Toronto's uh, minor league team, and Toronto was using that facility this season. I think Buffalo could be pretty cool. I mean, there are several you could toss out there, but I think you could plant one somewhere in the north, which would either be Buffalo or maybe Portland, but I think Buffalo would probably be better. And then the second one, I think you got to go somewhere in the south. And people in the south love baseball. They all typically like the Atlanta Braves, but I think part of that's because there just aren't many teams around there, and obviously they're a team that was on TBS. They've been on TBS for a long time. People easily adopt them. They're successful for a number of years. So you could do Nashville. You could do Charlotte. Maybe you do San Antonio or Oklahoma City. I think any of those locations would be really good. Yeah, I actually couldn't agree more with those two choices. I think Nashville is the one that that needs a baseball team. Yeah, like you said there's no, there's even in like, even in Southern Indiana, you know, our our home state, like those guys, they can't really watch much baseball because, you know, it's Reds maybe, kind of one of the Chicago teams if you're if you have some ties in the area, maybe the Braves if you're close enough. But I think Nashville would be a perfect spot just because there's really no. There's really no, uh, you know, MLB, MLB like franchise there and, or MLB um, fan base there. And then um, and I think Nashville's got a great fan base for, for the Predators have a great fan base. The yep. Titans do too. And yeah, so I think that'd be a great choice. And then Buffalo's, I think, another good one too. I think that, I mean, that's obviously, you know, baseball country up there, Cooperstown. And yeah. everyone, it seems like everyone in New York loves baseball. So. I think that'd be a good option. And Buffalo fans, if they're anything like the Bills, I think they'd be uh, they'd be right on board. <laughs> it'd be interesting. It'd be kind of like Tampa, where they'd have to convert 
a lot of Yankees fans to come over and get behind their team. But if we know anything about Buffalo fans, just watching the Bills and everything, they would be embraced very warmly. And I think I think that'd just be a really awesome spot to have a team. Oh, yeah, I couldn't agree more. Okay, Jake, this was a lot of fun. We're going to have to do something this offseason to check in when we get some hot stove stuff. But for now, is there anything else you'd like to say? Would you like to throw out your social media handles, plug anything while you're here, anything of that nature? Uh, yeah, I do uh, actually want to plug Eric Nander to the Phillies. I'm, uh, <laughs> all on, <laughs> I'm all on board with that. I think the chances of it happening are slim to none. But uh, it sounds like they're going to go with an old school baseball guy like like Dan Duquette, or if they go yeah. with Dabrowski, I'm going to be devastated. But uh, <laughs> but I, I, I want to poach from that Rays squad. Look at I mean, look at who's in the World Series this year. It was Ray or X-Ray versus Rays, and that front office has done incredible things. And I want to see I want to see a guy from the Rays who's you know like Eric Neander, who's you know had a thirty million dollar budget his entire career, come over and have it. $200 million budget with the Phillies and kind of do what the Dodgers are doing with homegrown talent and still be a little frugal. So that's, that's all I want to plug. Hopefully <laughs> Eric Nander or John Milton are listening to this, but <laughs> <laughs> they will be someday. Yeah. They'll, they'll look back on this when Eric Nander wins his first championship with the Phillies in five years. And when this is the number one baseball podcast in the, on the market in five years. That's right, Jack. That's right. <laughs> All right, Jake, thanks so much for stopping by. This is a lot of fun. Yeah, it's always a good time, man. Thanks for having me. Ladies and gentlemen, that does it for my conversation with Jake Poliga. Always a great time having him here. I hope you have enjoyed this episode of the Jack Vita Show. Again, if you liked what you heard and you want to be the first to get the next episode where I talk some soccer with Jonathan Clancy, He's going to educate me on the Premier League and help me pick out a soccer team to cheer for. Subscribe to the Jack Vita Show. You can be first in line for when that episode airs. And you won't miss out on any future episodes. Got a lot of good reviews on the latest episode where I just went solo by myself. So hopefully I'll I'll probably do some more of those in the future. If people like them, I'll do some more. This was a great episode today. I'm really happy with how it turned out. I'm going to miss baseball season. It's hard to believe it's over. It went by too quick. It was over in three months. Never again. Never again. I enjoyed it. I'm glad that we got a season so much better than not having it at all. And I'm very thankful that they were able to make this thing work. But... 162 next year, guys. Let's 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 start in March and let's play the whole season. And then it won't feel like winter snuck up on us this quickly again. <laughs> so, all right, guys. This was a lot of fun today. Make sure you're following along on Twitter and Instagram, Facebook. At Twitter and Instagram, it's at Jack Vita Show. Facebook.com slash Jack Vita Show. YouTube.com slash Jack jack vita show once again i want to thank jake for joining me i want to thank all of you for tuning in i hope you're all doing well staying positive and trusting god we're going to get through everything right now i believe it i know it's true 
And I know there's a lot of negativity out there, but you can't allow the negative people, the negative thoughts, and all of the nastiness that we see on social media. Can't let that get to you because God is good and God's doing some great things right now. In the midst of all this chaos, he's at work. And I I trust that and I believe that. And I hope you are too. Once again, thank you all for listening. I'll be talking with you soon. And until then, I'm Jack Vita. Bring in the dance of the lobsters.